0: because great leaders will produce great results.
1: Welcome to all our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a terrific guest. I've been looking forward to this visit and interview. He's a very talented individual with great background in leadership and innovation. Welcome, David Burkus.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me, and, and uh, thanks for that awesome plug. It's, it's all downhill from here, but thank you.
1: <laughs> we're going to have a great time, and the subject that we're going to talk about, I think, is going to be uh, useful, applicable to really every single one of our listeners. Uh, so we'll just before we get started, let's just talk a little about, uh, I'd like to share with you a little about David's background. He is a best-selling author a sought-after speaker, and an associate professor of leadership and innovation at Oral Roberts University. His forthcoming book, Friend of a Friend, offers readers a new perspective on how to grow their networks and build key connections. And this is one that's based on the science of human behavior, not just wrote networking advice. He's delivered keynotes to leaders of Fortune 500 companies and the future leaders of the United States Naval Academy. His TED Talk has been viewed by over 1.8 million uh, different listeners, and he is a regular contribu- contributor to one of my favorite magazines, the Harvard Business Review. So
2: David, here we go. Shall we get launched? Yeah, yeah. Thank I'm excited. Thanks for having me on.
1: Okay. Well, let, if you don't mind, tell our listeners about your background and especially including uh any key turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you and what you've ended up doing. What's your story?
2: Yeah, um I mean, it depends on how far back we want to go. You know, it's one of those things where <laughs> back you Back to 1812. You, I know, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> it's one of those things where you don't uh you don't realize what your turning points were until years and years later right so um the the story i usually start with now because it made me realize a lot of the importance of the topics that we're talking about was Uh, When I was in high school, I transferred schools um, in the middle of high school and one of the things that got messed up was that the two different schools used two different sort of progressions for how you're supposed to do your math classes. So I arrived in a geometry class having never taken algebra and the the teacher was going over something on the board and she did that thing where you can move a number from one side of the equation to the other. It's been so long (laughs) since I've done it, I don't remember what that's called. But I remembered looking at that and going... I don't know how she just did that. I'm clearly missing something. So I went up to her afterwards and I basically explained that problem. And she said, uh, okay, we have two options. Like you can basically transfer to the class you were supposed to have your freshman year and you'll be behind a year. Uh, or I also teach that class. I can give you the textbook. You can work on it on your own and then come meet with me when you have questions and, and what have you. And so I did that. I taught myself algebra. When I finally took algebra true, uh, Algebra 2, I got a 93. So I think I taught myself pretty well. But the big lesson I learned from that is that you can do – Anything you need to do in your life if you find the right people to help you right and that that's why I say it was sort of it's a weird story from my high school life, but it's been a, um, a Lesson it took me a long time to realize that I learned early on and benefited from so everything else that I've done in my life from uh, being able to write books hosting a podcast for a time traveling around speaking becoming a professor everything else that I've done in my life has been because I decided okay, this is what I want to do now who are the people I need on my team to help me? And that, I mean, logically leads to a, a book like this one, Friend of a Friend, which is basically about that idea. I took a much different approach of not just networking to add collections to my uh, to my network per se. I took the approach that there's this giant network out there. And what I need to do to accomplish the things that I want to do is figure out how I navigate to the people that can help me.
1: Wow. Uh, that is so valuable. I, and let's just talk about networking. Um, so... You've already alluded to the impact that networking can can have on our lives. And I, I think if any one of us that's listening today really reflect upon our lives and things that we've accomplished, especially things that we're proud of, most often we can trace it back to somebody that's had a huge influence, somebody that's given us a leg up. Sometimes it might just be an introduction Uh, Others might be a long-term relationship and it's opened many, many doors. So uh, why, from your point of view, is networking so important and what are the different dimensions of networking?
2: Yeah. So you already hit it at at some of it right there, right? Fundamentally, when we think of networks and connections and that sort of thing, we think of two different um, reasons why it's so important. The first is the one most people think of. And it is true, but it's the uh, your network is your net worth. You're the average of the five people you meet, et cetera, et cetera, sort of advice. And there really are studies that show that paying attention to, in in the sociologist lingo, they call it social capital. Paying attention to sort of the value that's in your connections, the value you provide to them and that they provide to you, and people who learn how to do that, especially learn how to do that early on, have better, more fulfilling careers, they make more money, they're more likely to go into leadership roles, all of those sort of uh, things. So that's what we normally think of. The, the thing is, I think is interesting is, you know, you said we all have that example of that kind of one person. Here's a really interesting thing I found from the research. It turns out that when it comes to influence, the people who are influencing your life – it's not just your friends this is why the book's called friend of a friend it's it's not just the people that are in your life in your network now it's also the people that are one and two degrees of separation out from you so in everything from happiness to smoking rates to obesity we see this thing called the 3 degrees of influence your friend of a friend of a friend even if you've never met them Has a statistically significant impact on a lot of the dimensions of your life, which means that it it really it behooves everyone to pay attention not just to the people that they're closest to, but kind of the entire network that's around them because it's influencing you even if it's just in subtle, unnoticeable ways. It's influencing you way more than you know.
1: A friend of a friend of a friend.
2: Yeah. So the, the study I like to quote the most often showed that your friend of a friend of a friend, so t- so two degrees of separation out, even if you've never met them, has a 6% uh, chance of increasing or decreasing your happiness. And I, I know 6% doesn't sound like much, but when you look at, at the relationship between money and happiness about a, if I gave you a $10,000 raise, that would only increase your happiness about 2%. Uh, statistically, I can't go and say, okay, so a good friend of a friend of a friend is worth $30,000, right? 2% <laughs> times, times three. I, I can't do that because the way the statistics and that sort of stuff work. But it's interesting to me that it, it does strongly signal that who is in your network and who is in their network, the people that are friend of a friend of a friend, are almost more important to your life satisfaction than how much money you make. And that is an incredibly compelling reason to pay attention to the people who are around you.
1: Well, that's great. Well, that's a big deal. So as we're sitting here today thinking about our futures, our network, quote-unquote, is going to have a big influence on our success, our health, our happiness. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. More, more so than we know. You know, we there's that old, old, old phrase: "You're the average of the five people you interact with the most." Well, that that is true, but the other truth is that sort of the 500 people that are around you are also having a subtle influence on you. That it, it's important to pay attention to.
1: Oh, good thought. And just to take that a little further, uh, so many of our listeners are really extraordinary people. Uh, these are people that are really trying trying to make a difference and they are making a difference and so one of the things you're saying david is as we're mindful about the people in our lives and that we can actually do some things that uh, impact that in a great well great way also our influence is going to touch others so uh, we ought to really be thoughtful about this right
2: Oh, no, exactly right, right? So you are, yeah, that friend of a friend of a friend can influence you, but you are also that friend of a friend of a friend for a lot of other people, right? So. How are you doing? What are you doing with the the norms that you're broadcasting? Are you uh, is your disposition more happy and optimistic, focused, or is it constantly sort of critical and negative? Because you're having a way bigger impact than you think. You know, there's that other sort of old phrase: you don't need a title to be a leader. You don't you don't need to be hugely popular to have influence. You already have influence in more powerful ways than you know.
1: Yeah, great. So, what's your recommendation uh, to our listeners, David, yeah. on how to develop? An effective network in their lives, especially in the context that you're talking about.
2: Yeah. So the the big idea in the book is that we kind of need to redefine what it is when we say networking. Most people have this mental model that networking is about finding ways to meet strangers and turn them into contacts, right? So for most people, when I say like your network, they think about the number of connections they have on LinkedIn or the number of email addresses in their address book, or if they're old school, you know, they think about how thick their Rolodex is, right? And, th- and the truth is we need a different mental model. The truth is we all exist inside of a network, 7.4 billion people strong and counting. Um, and then that network has little clusters and niches and, and those areas. So you have a more sort of immediate network around you. But you you're, when I say your network, I really mean the network that you already exist in. And the best approach is to figure out how to navigate that network and and what's missing for it, rather than just run up new contacts. And I'll give you a great example of this. Most of us ignore what I often refer to as sort of the hidden network. Because if your goal is just to run up the, the count, to add as many new people to your network as you can, then you miss what sociologists call weak and dormant ties. These are people that you already know, but you're either not that close to or you don't talk to all that often. And the studies show that these people are actually more likely to give you new and helpful advice than the people that are close to you for precisely for the reason that they don't think like you. So having exposure to them is giving you exposure to information that you don't think. And then the other thing we do is we, we might occasionally ask people for an introduction to a specific person but we, we've fallen out of the habit of exploring who is that one degree of separation out from us. Who do our friends know uh, that might be useful to get in contact with? But even if you don't ask for an introduction to be constantly sort of searching the fringes of your network to see who's out there that might one day you would be able to provide value to or they could provide value to you. So I call this in the, you know, the subtitle, we use this term, the hidden network. I call that kind of the hidden network because it's the part that most of us ignore. We have our close circle of friends and then we run off to go try and grow our network by meeting total strangers. And we ignore the people that we know, but we're not paying enough attention to, or we ignore the people that our friends know that could be useful to us or that we could be useful to.
1: Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's really great, and I'm not sure how to ask this next question. You might even be able to help me <laughs> form the question, uh, but uh, we're talking about a network, and you're talking about a difference between something that is just a checklist, this thing out there that may or may not be helpful, and a group of friends, I'm not sure if I'm even getting that right, but it's a whole different quality. You're talking about a network of relationships, of friends, of people where you grow, You have a vested interest with one another. I, so... Is that what you're trying to say in this? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I'm, ta-
2: I'm talking about, I like to call it sometimes being a good human being, right? Which we often forget to do in the context of a professional network, right? We, you know, we we do these things with our friends. Like when you meet a, a personal contact, you look for multiple different ways to connect with them. You look for who you might have in common. You look for all of these things to get a feel how your friends connect to each other. And then when we flip and we switch to the domain of our sort of professional life, whether it's a company we work for, a company we're starting, whether we're looking for a job, et cetera, we don't do that sort of information rich approach. Like you said, we just try and run through the checklist or run up the count on how many connections we have. We ignore a lot of the value that we know exists because in our personal life and our personal network, we've seen it and we don't do it when we move over to the professional side.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for pushing us a little further along this line, because really it is one thing to be thoughtful. I mean, this is one of the purposes of life when it's all said and done. You look back and you say, well, I've got my family and friends, and these are among the things that count most to me. And maybe part of what you're saying is let's look at these relationships that we have and enrich them and realize there's also something beyond beyond those relationships we ought to be thinking about.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you know often like we tend to put people into buckets, right? We tend to have our work contacts and our personal friends, but you know, the people that I've seen that are the most successful are the people that have merged those two, right? So I mean, family is usually important. Some people are lucky enough to work with their sort of whole family, but a lot of people end up, you know, over the course of their career, the most successful people are the ones who the people they work with are their friends, not in a weird sort of burnout, I have no personal life way, but just in a way that they realize that providing value to those relationships, growing sort of the depth of those relationships making work friends into real friends or making real friends into work friends provides a more enjoyable career and a, and a better life.
1: Okay. That's good stuff. Now, I hope David doesn't mind. I uh, had a pre-peek at his upcoming book, Friend of friend. It's called The Friend of Friends or? Friend of a Friend. Friend yeah. of a Friend. Let's get that A in there. And I'm just going to read off some of these chapters uh, for our listeners. And then, uh, as we connect the dots here, perhaps you can just, I'm going to ask you another question as we think about these. So here are some of the uh, the uh, chapters, find strength in weak ties. That's interesting. I can't wait to hear about that. See your whole network. And now we see that in a different context. It's just not this cold thing. It's a deep, meaningful living thing. Uh, become a broker and fill structural holes. Seek out silos. Oh, yeah. Build teams from all over your network. Become a super connector. Man, this, this is good stuff. Uh, and, uh, and it goes on. Uh, skip mixers. <laughs> I can't wait to hear if you have, what you have to say about that. And then build stronger ties through multiplexity. So here's the question. What have you found to be the best way to approach developing a meaningful network of friends? And yeah. their friends. Okay.
2: So we, um... Okay. So the strongest reaction I gathered from you was on that skip network mixers thing. So let's start there, shall we? <laughs> um, so, you know, again, we, we go with this mental model of if the goal is to just run up the number of connections you have, you're going to have a different strategy than if your goal is to see the entire network that you exist in and respond accordingly. So if your goal is to run up the count, then what you've inevitably been invited to one of these networking mixers, right? The meetups where everybody kind of goes around their room and says who they are and what they do. And then it's sort of, like a speed dating for professionals thing where you're trying to find a useful connection to each other inside of like, you know, 60 seconds. And of course, everybody finds these a little awkward and everybody doesn't get the connections. It's any, most people don't get the connections that they need. And then they, they walk away thinking like, Oh, I'm just so bad at this. I'm bad at networking, blah, 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 blah. The truth is it's not actually, it's not you, it's the event. The The research is, is strongly indicative that when the goal then the sole goal of an event is just to meet new people. We we default to our comfort zone. We default to the things that we're used to. We end up talking to the two or three people we already know for most of the time. If we do talk to new people, we end up talking to people who look like us, act like us, work in the same industry as us, etc. We we don't spend enough time with the brand new connections, especially the ones that are uh, more more diverse, very different than us, right? So it's not it's not. It's not you, I mean it is because we all have this default, but it's not you in particular, it's that these meetings fundamentally are kind of flawed.
1: Oh, very, Instead, yeah, what, what
2: the research suggests is that if you participate in what one sociologist calls shared activities, these are these are meetings where the goal is to pursue something bigger uh, than yourself. So this could be everything from you know working for a nonprofit board, this could be pick up softball leagues, this could be you know a hobby, this is anything where everyone's focused on something other than meeting new people, something that they can't do by themselves. And in the process of focusing on that other, you end up looking to the left and to the right and finding people who are more different than you, finding people who uh, are not people you already knew, and you end up building a deeper relationship with them because, solely because you're focused on something else and the relationships almost happen by accident instead of being focused on just meeting new people and then defaulting to your comfort zone.
1: Uh, What a great perspective and description. That that may be why there are many people that dread going to a mixer.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, no, I don't don't want to do this. (laughs) If that's you, you have my permission to never go to one ever again. I as love as it. long as you spend that time looking for shared activities, what is the local trade association I can jump in with? What is the charity that I can help volunteer for? What is the, the sport that I can pick up and do as a team? You know, wh- whatever it is, you reinvest that time in a shared activity, you're going to have a way better return on investment than going to that networking mixer and feeling awkward for 60 minutes until you figure out how to leave unnoticed.
1: <laughs> okay, that's great. Now, are there any watchouts uh, for our list? to be aware of when they're strengthening and developing this type of network?
2: Yeah, so the the biggest watch out is for, in, in the book, we talk about this sociological principle called homophily. And homophily, I mean, it translates from the Greek of love of same. But the interesting thing from a network science perspective is that the primary driver for why Our networks aren't as diverse uh, and full of people different than us as they should be. Isn't that we're all, you know, we're all just bigots and we want to only know people that are like us? It's actually kind of a network effect. If you are not paying deliberate attention to your network, what happens over time is you tend to cluster near people who are similar than you. They Mm -hmm. they look like you. They talk like you. They have the same job as you. They're in the same stage of life as you. All of those sort of things. And then what happens is that when you get introduced to new people, those introductions come through people who look and act and think like you. And so those new people you're being introduced to are more likely to look and think and act like you. So this homophily thing is actually a network effect and it it takes deliberate action to break out of that. Shared activities is one really good way to do it. You can't just rely on sort of uh, defaulting to meeting new people through your network. You have to be deliberate about who you're asking for introductions to, but also where you're going to meet new people so that you're not meeting more people who look and act and think like you. My, my favorite term to describe these people, by the way, the sociologist Ronald Burt uses the term redundancy, which is great, because it's not that mean, but it is a little mean to show you that if somebody thinks exactly like you, then they're kind of redundant to your life, and and they're, they might be a wonderful friend, but when you really need to make a tough decision, you don't need redundant connections. You need connections that will provide you more and diverse information.
1: Such a thoughtful approach as you're really thinking about your future. You know, we have one really one shot at this, and fortunately, we have redos if we blow it, but, <laughs> but one life. And so, as you're thinking about this and looking forward in the future, I think what David is saying to us, what he's teaching us today, is uh, to invite diversity into our life. What are areas that we need to grow in? What are areas that would make us more complete, open more doors, uh, help us have a greater impact for good?
2: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And one of the questions that I like to ask on a regular basis is uh, the question, who do you know in blank? With blank being kind of whatever sector I need to know more people in. So this can be a geography. Who do you know in Cleveland? It can be an industry that I don't have a lot of contacts in. It can be sort of an ideological group, right? Who do you know that votes this certain way? It can be whatever, whatever it is we need. Instead of just asking our network, who should I meet? Can you person be deliberate about asking what uh, what type of person you're seeking out and then ask the people around you who do you know that's in that kind of community which is going to be a stretch for them because if they if they're too much like you they're going to have to stretch as much as you would have to stretch but you get a better answer because you're asking specifically i'm looking for more people in in sort of this category because i don't have enough of those people in my life
1: well, that's terrific. Well, I'm always amazed at how fast time goes, David. <laughs> Here we are. We're done. Like. So uh, before we end up, uh, do you have any final tips uh, for our listeners to keep in mind as they're working on this kind of a networking uh, so that they can get it right?
2: Yeah. So the the who do you know in blank question is one of my big tips. The other one is to spend more time re-engaging with those weak and dormant ties. You know a lot of people that you don't interact with on a regular basis because the busyness of life happens, the busyness of your work happens, and and you you fall out of favor with them. Particularly in a work context, former colleagues, people who either are a a company that you left or or part of a business that you started and then left or, or whatever it is, or who they left, right? These people that you used to work with but haven't talked to in two or three years, they're incredibly valuable connections to have for new information. And don't wait till you need it. Start warming up those contacts now and, and making a point to regularly check in with those people now and finding ways to provide value to them now so that when you need more access to different information or you need help from further out in your network, it's much easier to get into contact with those people.
1: Okay, good. That's great advice. In other words, uh, part of what brought you together was something uh, perhaps special, a work, a relationship, uh, but you definitely have a contact. And one of the words I wanted to pull out there that you said, what value can you give to them? Did I hear you say that? Like, that's a big deal.
2: No, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, so uh, the my favorite term to describe sort of networks, etc., is that term social capital. And if it, it's kind of weird because it implies that like okay, there's value in relationships, and you have a tendency to get in- instrumental about it. But when you think about any kind of capital, it follows the investment principle, right? The more value you put into it over time, the more it's worth. You don't you don't just start an IRA and then make a million dollar withdrawal from it. If you didn't put all that money in and allow it to grow over time, you can't do that. And your network works the same way. The more social capital you build over time, the more that will be there. Now, even if you never withdraw it, then, you, then you're what I like to call a, just a genuinely awesome human being. But it's also <laughs> comforting to know that it's there when you need it, if you're taking care to provide value to the network that's around you over time.
1: Well, this has been great. This has been great today. So uh, how can people learn more about what you're doing, David? David,
2: yeah, so uh, I mean, the the book is friend of a friend. It's available in every good bookstore. If a bookstore doesn't have it, then it's not a good bookstore. Let me know, and I'll help <laughs> convert them. Um, but probably the I mean, the best place to find me. I'm I'm really really unique last name Burkus, right? So DavidBurkus.com was wide open. So D a v i d b u r k u s dot com is probably the best place to keep in touch. And really, like if you're if you're if you listened all the way to this, time did fly. But you are part of that sort of end of the podcast club that could actually stay and pay attention the whole time, and, and hopefully that <laughs> means you really enjoyed it. So if you did, please go to davidberkus.com. There's a bunch of different ways from there that you can contact me and keep this conversation going because I would love to hear what resonated with you and how you're putting these ideas into practice.
1: Well, this is how people become their best. They work on things like this. They They gain new ideas, new thoughts. They develop themselves so they can be one of those contributors in the relationship. So great
2: ideas, David. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You bet. And thanks, uh, David Burkus, for being part of this podcast show today. And what a great and productive visit this has been. And we wish each of you that are making a difference in the world the very best as you go about making that difference. And to all of our listeners, never forget that as we do these things, we become our best and become a light, a light that really creates and influences these type of relationships, networks that we have. And, and when we give, it also comes back in a big way. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day.
0: Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-690.